Thanks for pressing play. You're listening to the Scale with Sales podcast, how to expand abroad with no money, no connections, and no local language. This is where I, Rasmus Basilea, a sales coach and mentor of over 100 companies, discover the do's and don'ts of startup sales together with founders and industry professionals. Welcome to the Euroscalers podcast. Today we have Christian Jotsenvori from InCoach with us today. He uh, does stuff with gaming and helping youngsters to game better, game together, not do it alone. I think Christian, I have to introduce yourself on this, but uh, nice to have you. Yeah, please uh, give yourself a yourself introduction and then we're going to get, get down to business. Yeah, thank you, Rasmus. You did good. Uh, you did good. Uh, basically, we do gaming uh, and youngsters. And uh, basically, what we do is we sell uh, gaming and uh, esports education to schools, uh, municipalities, cities, uh, everyone who wants to <laughs> buy something gaming related and combine it with education. That is basically what we try to do. And I want to add something here because I felt like, why would that be needed and so on? And what you told me before was that. A lot of this gaming, unfortunately, even though it can bring people together, they are gaming alone or when they're gaming in groups, they are not developing this kind of um, group. Uh, how to work in groups well is not being developed in the correct way when you just do it online. So that one thing you told me is that when you do work with schools and so you work in these uh, game environments, but with a coach so that they learn how to behave with each other. So these uh, skills they learn while playing translates to real life uh, skills. Exactly. I think the biggest problem in gaming itself is it's really unsustainable. So how the young people do it, it's uh, they have like long sessions. They don't really take any breaks. They don't really think why they play and how they play. So what we try to do with uh, coaching and education in gaming is that we give them like the uh, a line to follow and uh, kind of a healthy way to play games and uh, basically train in esports. So so um yeah, I think what we try to do is kind of stabilize the gaming as a hobby and also as a profession, which is still kind of lacking in Finland and in overall whole world i think yeah. I, I love that you're doing it and even though finland doesn't see this as a like with a standardized hobby we do have a lot of pros so something's working <laughs> yeah that tells something yeah yeah well okay but christian you and me we well you were in the euroscales program um, some year ago and uh, i'm really curious to hear what what was your situation when it come to sales and, and business when you came into the program a little bit what happened like during the program and what's going on now because it was some time ago that we did business so i'm really curious to hear uh, what's working out for you now and also some experiments you might have tested that didn't work out yeah please so what's going on uh a lot's going on it's been a year i think now that we got to meet each other and uh, uh from that point forward i think we have tripled our revenue so we are doing okay and nice. uh i i wouldn't give you all the credit, but some of it, it's, I think the Euroscalers was good. Okay. Uh, basically what we wanted from Euroscalers is, uh, I think, uh, the most important part was the connections and also all the speakers. So, so I think, uh, part of our success comes from all the different discussions we have had. And also big part was Euroscalers because it, it was, uh, like four months and we had a lot of you know different kind of discussions and uh, chats and uh, uh, speakers 
So overall, I think it was good. Um, it focused on internationalization, but uh, we really didn't get that going. But we got like a lot of stuff going on in, in our own country, even though it was meant to be in another country. Uh, we kind of uh, tried to start business elsewhere, but it's a hard road. Everyone knows that. So we are now still sticking on to Finland, but I wouldn't say it was all in vain. So, yep, it was yeah, good. I noticed it was... Uh... I think it was Estonia among other countries you were focusing on, and they did. There was some response, but it was hard to get established, uh, at least during the program. And the program is kind of short, so the idea is that you should be able to do some of the skills and keep them and translate them uh, to your own uh, your own way of doing it as you get out of the program. But uh, you're not the only one who has found that actually a lot of these techniques works really well in Finland. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, uh, but I'm curious, and let's let's stick with Finland. So, what what have you tried? And uh, could you go through the evolutionary process of where you started, what you started experiment, experimenting with and in your sales and marketing and where you've kind of ended up now? So I think the most important part and why we are where we are, so we can call ourselves even a business, uh, is that we usually uh, promise something first and then when someone uh, sticks to it, then we figure out how we do it. So basically, in a year, we have gained so many new clients just by offering something that we are not sure of how to do or how to even like, you know, we have some idea and we have done a lot of different things. So it's not like we are going to shoot ourselves in the leg, but um, we don't really develop anything before we know that something is like wanted and someone wants to buy it. So I think that is the most important thing as we are a really small business. So we don't have a lot of time and, uh, you know, uh, people doing legwork for us. So, yeah, I think that is how it all started and how we start uh, got started with schools and cities. They're kind of, a, I would say, slow, like a client to go up with. They, um, I would say they're really stable when they because but mm. uh before that it takes a lot of time and uh you know grinding for them to trust us so um i think that we have been so flexible with them has really helped us and they seem to like us for that as well right well how do you you know you said that the process is long how did you get in touch with the city and how did you just the city you have citizen schools here our primary uh, targets for you so what has been the strategy to get in touch with them so I would say we have around 40 to 50 cities uh, as our clients in Finland out of around 250, I think. So one fifth, I would say. And uh, basically what we do is just email them just out of the blue. They don't know us, but uh, we use references. That is a really big thing. We use some techniques. Uh, actually, one technique that we learned from your scalers was that yeah, you could try to contact the wrong person first. So don't go straight to the top, go to someone who might be more interested, but might not have the, you know, patterns needed to make the decision. So he can come up with the idea that, okay, I might need this, I might want this. And then he goes to the like authorities that can make the decision instead of us going to the higher ups and telling that you, you absolutely need this. So it seems like a principal or a city director, they, they don't really care about this so much. But if it comes from an employee uh, that's a uh, you know, teacher somewhere, they might be like, all right, you know, how much budget do you need? All right, we could do it. Exactly. Yeah. How much volume are we talking about? What 
well, yeah, how many emails are you sending a week, for example, or a month? Um, so, for example, us, when we sell to the cities in Finland, I would say we have a list of around 250 cities, as I already mentioned. And I have personally contacted all of those by email. Uh, I would say over 100 of those I have also called. And usually the emails are around one to four emails. If they don't answer, that's fine. And usually I just stop there and like accept my failure. <laughs> but usually I try to call them and ask them. So I don't know, it's a lot of work. We do it all by hand. So it's just uh, basically write the email. Uh, usually, okay, use copy paste. That's just a general, you know good idea but uh, usually copy paste the emails kind of change something so it's personal and then just shoot up those messages like uh, one or two messages per week yeah do you use any tools of course you use some type of email server but do you use any automation tools there or, or any other tools that you think is, is good that you're using actually we don't we tried some when we were in Euroscalers mm -hmm. and uh, I think it worked okay we um, for the sales, we don't really like that. For some reason, the schools and cities, they kind of feel, uh, I don't know, threatened if they mm -hmm. get automated emails. Like if it doesn't feel handcrafted, they are mm -hmm. kind of like seeing it as a spam and uh, we feel like it doesn't really work. So um, as we really need the sales, we try to do everything and the first impression right. So we do it mm -hmm. by hand. Yeah. We we talked with uh, Windy from Resistom App here in another episode, and she also does that. She th thinks she says she does five a day. Now she has a different market than you have, but she does five. But she does them all by hand. They are same. There, there's some copy pasting going on because their offering might be similar, but they have to craft it so that it really you know hits the heart when they said. And she said she had uh, decently good statistics. Do you have any you know any stats on how many reply and how many are interested from the emails that you're sending? I would say only like one-fifth, maybe one-sixth mm. don't ever reply. It's kind of rare. Usually they reply. And oh, usually, nice. yeah, I have had only like a few who say that they don't want anything. Like just never contact me again. It's really rare. But um, some of those obviously do. Um, usually it's something like we don't know, uh, maybe. Uh, you know, the usual. But usually that is kind of easy for us to you know, go on with. Um, actually, one like small tip that I uh, just realized that I do is um, if I have like a really hectic day, let's say today, I don't have any time to send up emails, I'm going to do it in the evening, but I don't want to send emails in the evening, so I'm going to schedule them. So usually, okay, people who get emails from me at 8 a.m., there's a high chance I actually <laughs> never send them at 8 a.m. So there's a really high chance I sent them at, let's say, 11 p.m. And I just uh, schedule them all to the 8 a.m. So it's just way easier. So when I wake up, I can answer to all the emails and I don't need to handcraft them and wait them for them to answer. So it's just way more efficient for everyone. It's quite clever that you make them sent before you come to work in a way. And when you do arrive, you have a ready, you know, exactly. ready baked uh, yeah. discussion. <laughs> Kind of like the long cooking, whatever you call it, oven overnight strategy of emailing. Yep. <laughs> like that. All right. So um, 
So you send in these emails, you do them manually, you get really good response rates. I mean, Windy talked about 40%, for example, in her case, which I thought was amazing as well uh, on the international level. But uh, having this response rate in Finland is still uh, quite impressive. So that's very nice. So you have been able to more or less triple since we saw last. So what has, uh, what's happening with the business? Can you grow? Is it just you guys still the same team or are you, are you growing in the expand, expanding the business as well? I would say it's still kind of the same team, obviously new like coaches and uh, teachers. But um, what we have kind of done is uh, shifted, I wouldn't say away from esports, but more to the gaming um, and maybe even coding side of things. Mm-hmm. So we would uh, rather say we are an, an edtech company rather than esports company right now. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. We don't really right. care. But basically, we go where the money is, and um, that is where it is. And uh, we do esports; we really care about it. But um, it's a really like um, those things take so much time. So we have a lot of time in our hands to do something else related to the experience we can use, right? So we yeah. don't need to bang our head against the wall every day. We can do something with the references and experience. So what we do now is we do like after-school activities which means gaming clubs and coding clubs for young players and people from age 9 and between 15, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that is something we are doing right now. But we also have like a lot of new ideas on how we can use that and expand to, for example, elementary schools, which we have never done before because eSports doesn't really fit in there. But yeah. uh, like, you know, gaming coding it really does so there's a lot of you know new possibilities right now i like it i i have a cousin who is uh, really likes playing games i mean like i'm 35 so for me games when i was a kid i had a nintendo 8-bit that was the first game that i had and a game boy black and white game boy the first ones and they are fun for me as a child but i uh if you compare it to like Fortnite or something, like the, those games have the addictiveness level is like, I don't know, five times or 10 times what I played. So I, I would see why my parents wouldn't think they'd be too worried that I play too much because those games look like crap. But now if they, the kids are like sucked into that stuff and I like that the games are good, but they're also addictive. So I think that when I talked about my cousin, for example, he, if there was an environment, if I was his parent and they said, yeah, there's an environment where you can go after school and you can play together with others, and, and you know there's some supervision. I would have feel much more comfortable as a parent that he plays that game in that environment compared to him just doing whatever he wants on the internet, which is kind of scary. So I I, I like that. So I think that you're you're onto something. Yeah. So Christian, now you 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 have suddenly started to scale this, which is really cool. What advice would you give yourself if you would you know transport yourself back two years or so, or three years? What, what things could you have done already now with the power of hindsight? What would you tell yourself that you could have done differently? That's a really good question. Uh, I usually never have an answer for this. Mm. I would say um, maybe the thing I already kind of mentioned is that just try new things rather than try to sell the one product. It's kind of a pointless thing. Okay, maybe I care too much about like the one service we provided like the eSports coaching and the mm. courses. So kind of just letting go of that and letting it go its own pace. I think that is the most important thing. 
And um, maybe my priorities have kind of also shifted because like two years ago, I was still a student in, mm. in university. So it was kind of, a, I would say, not a hobby, but a side, side kind of a thing. Okay, we made like 50K a year, but it's, it's still like, a, it was still really small, you mm. know. We had these clients we always had, and uh, it didn't scale up at all. So mm. I feel like maybe we did correct kind of two years ago, but maybe let go earlier of something that is really hard to scale up, I would say. Yeah. So you allowed yourself, I think that one of the keys here, what you allowed yourself to experiment with, what if we call this ed tech? And what if we add coding in there? And like you, you kind of flipped the offer around a little bit. It sounds, I mean, I'm, I'm interpreting what you said, but it sounds like you started with your emails and with your discussions, twisting the message a little bit, What you say, well, maybe this is interesting. And when they say yes, you're like, okay, coding is, coding it is. Now we have to, like, who can code? Who can exactly, code yeah. Actually, it was kind of funny because I realized that we could do this after school activities uh, on like December, like the, when is the Christmas, like mm. 24th, I think I showed up messages after like Christmas to before like the New Year's Eve, I mm. showed up like, I don't know, 50 emails at that time. And I had like 50 meetings like during that time. It was insane. Like I just, I was like, <laughs> why is this working? And I was yes. like, okay, this is something we're going to do. And then yeah. we just bang, 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 did the same thing like the whole spring. And uh, now the whole fall, so it's kind of it's kind of hectic, I would say. But it was uh, something I really didn't have any faith in. Uh, I just heard that maybe th you could do this, and I was like, I don't think so. And then I just tried, and it was <laughs> insane. But that's kind of funny. I think that is what I love most about doing business is that you never know what works. Yeah, and the it shows the planning fallacy that you think that you know if you plan something it's going to go great, but yep. most of the inventions you have is like ah, I don't know, it's probably oh wow, yeah, it worked. <laughs> exactly an accident. Yeah, so um, yep, well that's that's good stuff. Is there anything you else you'd like to share when it comes to growing your business or selling that you? I mean, maybe some techniques talking with the cities or or, or schools. Is there anything that you do there that you notice works better when communicating with them? Um, I would say we are. Okay, we're scaling, but we're still a small company. So I don't know if this uh, applies to everyone, but just uh, discussing with cities and, you know, teachers, authorities will really care about the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's really important to seem like uh, and to come up with uh, really uh, trustworthy and uh, really like calm, collected, know what you're doing. So they don't really want okay, they want new things, kind of, but they don't want, want like this startup kind of um, hype thing. Like mm -hmm. they give no, I don't know how to say it nicely, but they don't care about that stuff. So they want something stable, right? So even though we are a startup and we really like to scale fast and, you know, do all these kind of school stuff, we can't really come up with those uh, messages to the schools or the cities. So we really need to be traditional, I would say. Mm. Just be uh, it, traditional, yeah. It sounds like maybe if I'm interpreting this right, that maybe they want it, whatever you're offering, it's in a new trend. That's good. It's, it fits with the bigger picture of mental health and, and, and how kids play games and how we have to address that somehow. It fits yes. with that trend. But you should look and feel like what you're already used to. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
not too much right. change, like a really just a small change, but enough to feel like a change. Yeah. Mm. All right, nice. That's a good. That's a good comment. Who has been the people that uh, you said you could work your way up? Um, who has been the the best target for you? And how did you how did you find? Because you probably have a certain type of uh, function or a certain type of uh, uh, title that's usually good for you to contact. Have you noticed anything there? It it really depends and varies by city. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say there is one like absolute best. Sometimes it's a higher up. Sometimes it might be some teacher or some instructor or something. It really depends. Some sometimes there's someone who is my age and doing some like instruction stuff, and he makes the decision. Sometimes there is some really high up like uh, education department guy who is like. Yeah, we do this. So it, it's really different, uh, like uh, depending on the city. Well, do you email all of them, or like how do you I choose just, who to email to? Yeah, I kind of, I usually go to the city site and I see, yeah. try to figure out like what is the structure, because sometimes after school activities are behind like the education department. But sometimes they are uh, behind the free time like department mm. of the city. Uh, every city has these two like departments, right? So uh, most like many messages I have sent have gone to the wrong department, and then mm. they are like, "Okay, this in, this ain't for us." But I have forwarded this to the education, and I'm like, "That's really good." Now they have like a reference, even though it's really not a reference, right? And if it goes to the right, usually the answer is kind of positive if they mm. want what we have to offer. So usually it's just pick someone who is somewhat related to what we are trying to do. I, I can't really tell. Yeah, well, it sounds easy enough. I mean, there, there's a strategy I was kind of kind of fishing for, but there's that uh, if you have, this usually works for larger organizations, is that if you want to get in touch, you might have to contact 30 different people in the same company. Now, almost any Finnish city is not that large, especially if you consider there are 250 of them and yes. sit 10,000 people is considered a city. Then, so, but in any in any case, it mean, so you that's a strategy for you. Those of you listening, you can use if it's a big organization because you just need somebody to catch the hook, and then you can work your way from there. But in Christian's case, he could contact the the city and just send like one email to the wrong person, and then it will just keep um, climbing up. Yeah, can I add something? So. Uh, of course, that's a really good uh, point Russell made, and I have used that. But uh, please remember to not to contact all of the 30 people at the same time. It's going to look really bad if all of them get the same email and they are in a meeting or somewhere together. <laughs> it's going to be really awkward, like, yeah. yeah, and it's personalized with their name and everything. Then you're like, oh, God, and that's that. You're never going to get the chance again. So, yeah. That is something to keep in mind. All right, thank you. That's a good tip because I I thought that you know sending them more or less at the same time didn't have to be such a problem, but actually if they're sitting in a meeting and they get this email at the same time, uh, it could be worse. So I think yes, spacing it out a little bit uh, might make a lot of sense actually Maybe. from this perspective. All right, is there anything else that you would like to share? Anything you could be something that's got you got going on or something you'd like to share just for uh, to teach something? I think that. Uh, most fun tip I got from your scalers was that we were trying to, uh, you know, arrange meetings with Estonian schools, right? 
and uh, there was, I think I already told you this once, but uh, there was no way to get a meeting. They never like agreed on a time or a place, even though we were like, okay, we can visit your country. It's not a big deal. We have a, like basically a ferry over the, you know, small pond we have there. And uh, uh, then, then we kind of just uh, decided that, okay, we we're gonna visit Estonia, like no matter what. And then we shoot them all with the message saying that, okay, we're gonna be in your city this time, this day, uh, you wanna meet? And every one of them said yes. Like, uh, like it, was, it was nuts. Okay, we didn't go there because COVID, I think that's a really common reason. It was like right start of this year, 2020. Uh, uh, 22. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's why yeah, it got messed up. That's why I think you might have succeeded with your international expansion if that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, yeah. so we tried to arrange the meeting right after New Year's Eve and there was a mm. huge boost in the COVID cases and we were like, damn, this was so good. <laughs> like all of them were on board like, yeah, this is good now that you're coming here. Because um, so I think the lesson is that don't ask them for a meeting and a place. Just tell them that, okay, we're going to come to your city. Do you want to have a meeting? Who doesn't like take that chance if someone is going to be there anyway? You mm. don't even have to book the meeting. Just be prepared to do it if they say yes. And that is mm. exactly what I've been using. And uh, it's worked great so far, even in Finland or even in like smaller places. It doesn't have to be a board, obviously. No, I realized that, uh, yeah, the cities who might be slightly harder to get on board and now you have good references. I mean, that's, you know, people who are hard to get, you can't get them if you don't have references, but if you do, they might be convinced. So if you say, I'm, I'm coming, you know, coming by your city this day, you know, do you have time for a meet? Uh, they, yeah, as you said, they might just take it. Then you have an actual foot in the door that they can see what is this? This is not some mumbo jumbo that the kids are playing games and this is the way and this are the, there are the pros and cons of them doing it and there should be a reason i mean you can pitch your pitch them properly yes and have a discussion Very, that's a that's a good tip i like that tip that's uh and i think now with covid mostly gone uh people we should remember that this is a is a good trick and i would say especially in smaller cities now, i mean if you look at the capitals of the world they, they're quite busy but if you if you find some region that's like not the most visited like when i talk about the uk for example then scotland or wales are really great because they're mostly forgotten but they also have business there are things there and that means you can get into the larger populated areas with uh, with the references from scotland and wales but the, yeah if you do that yeah i'm coming by i'm going to do this you know th then they just might take the meeting with you even if yes. uh, you know anything else you'd like to share Mm, I think that's it. Yeah, most of the better tips. I might have some bad ones, but I'm going to save those for later. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, where can people, you know, stay in touch with you and find you? Uh, I think I'm most active on LinkedIn. Uh, you can probably link it somewhere, but um, yeah, LinkedIn, maybe Twitter. I'm really not a social media guy, rather a business guy and trying to do that thing. So if someone wants to do my social media, I'm up for it because that's just a really burden. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we should talk. All right, Christian, thank you very much for coming to the show. And uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. Of course. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Scale with Sales podcast. I would love to connect with you and hear your thoughts. So find me on LinkedIn. Just search for Rasmus Basilea and you'll find me there. I'll make it a point to respond to all messages I get. If startup sales and international expansion interests you more, you can find more insights and resources at euroscalers.com. 
Thank you again for listening. Thank you.